Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower in here, and we are talking about finishing out the preseason, and we are pretty close uh, to getting ready for week one, but that does not mean we are done with the moving pieces. They are just beginning, and it feels like we've already had a lot do want to remind folks, uh, if you like this show, you want to try out the premium stuff, we're already up to almost 200 shows this year over at UTHDynasty.com. Get it on any mobile app you desire uh, for your podcasting pleasure there. We got a trade calculator, rankings, uh, everything is updated as soon as possible after news breaks like Travis Etienne today, for example, um, and anything that's been happening of late, always on top of it. And Katie, here we are, and it's time to start talking about the season. We've already got a couple weeks under us in preseason. I'm imagining next week, outside of maybe an injury or something, we're not going to get a whole lot more clarity uh, with plenty of uh, folks playing that, <laughs> frankly, are probably going to be looking for work and hoping for an opportunity or maybe a practice squad, something like that, uh, filling up our time this coming week. Uh, but let's start out by talking. We're going to talk some dynasty trades uh, later on, but let's talk about some some impact player and players and some other questions going into the season. First, let's start about the rookie quarterbacks. We've gotten to see them just a little bit. We have some data points in terms of how their teams are shaping up around them. What do you think about an impact rookie quarterback? It's tough to find. We saw Justin Herbert last year. That was a pleasant surprise on the dynasty front. But who do you think is maybe most likely or the highest ceiling if things go right from what you see? If we do have one of those instant in the lineup, even in a one quarterback format type impacts from that position. He was one of the underrated rookies out of the five. He was going either four or five, and that would be Zach Wilson, New York, New York Jets. The reason that I think he'll have an impact, number one, he looked really good. His hookups with Corey Davis were outstanding. They've already got chemistry. Zach from, I know a guy that, that is from Utah that knows the family. He's a bookworm. He's a hardworking kid. He's a humble kid. And you can see in his athleticism, getting out of the pocket, being able to throw accurately on the run, being mobile enough. And the Jets are an improved team. I think their defense is going to be much improved and put them in good position to score well. And I think that, you know, they've got to play the Buffalo Bills twice. So that's going to be a high scoring game or it should be. They got to play the Patriots twice. That should be a high scoring game or it should be. They got to play Miami Dolphins twice. So same type of thing. I think Miami will be improved, but um, I don't like the Jaguars situation, especially with ETN gone. And that offensive line is offensive. And I think that if anything, Trevor Lawrence is going to be running for his life, unfortunately, he looked sharp. He looked good. I don't think Trey Lance is quite ready yet. And 
Uh, Mac Jones, I think, will be sitting behind Cam Newton. He may have a second half of the season surge if Cam Newton, for some reason, you know, anything can happen. But Cam Newton's looked pretty good. So I'm going to put my pin on Zach Wilson. Yeah, I'm really interested to see the Jets. Um, I actually put them, uh, you know, for one of the other topics we're going to discuss. I think they're really interesting on a number of fronts. But yeah, you see that arm talent, uh, just the natural arm strength. And if Corey Davis, if he is an actual number one wide receiver, it makes that whole team and whole passing game look better because it's a hodgepodge of guys that are good enough but probably ancillary guys like Jamison Crowder over the course of his career. Uh, Keelan Coles had moments. Elijah Moore, a lot of folks are high on him. Denzel Mims is trying to make the roster maybe, uh, but you know, down the depth chart at present. But if Corey Davis is the number one guy, I just think everyone else can fall into line. Jamison Crowder can move the sticks. He can have his moments. Elijah Moore, you know, same sort of thing, almost in that same role. I, I just feel like everything's going to be easier, almost like in Dynasty when you have that number one guy playing, you know, playing uh, roulette and playing the matchups and, and other things with, with your, the rest of your depth chart just becomes a whole lot easier. So if Zach Wilson has a little mobility and, and that arm talent that we've seen go mostly towards Corey Davis, but uh, if, if, if that ends up going towards the season, like you said, just an improved team, pretty excited to watch them. I picked on the fantasy front, Justin Fields, um, mostly because I think he's going to come into the season early, not week one. They've already kind of stated that, but I think it's going to be early. You know, He's probably going to get at least 10 starts or at least the opportunity, if not more. And we know rushing is the fast track to getting there. And I think he's going to run a lot. I think this could look like Jalen Hurts. And so if he's running for a half a touchdown per game, if he is running for 40 plus yards per game, it's going to be hard for him not to be a higher QB2 and if not push for QB1 fantasy-wise, even if there's a lot of struggles there. And he really hasn't had the opportunity or benefit to work with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney a lot. So that's going to be potentially a boost from what we've seen in the, in the preseason so far. Yeah, the only reason that I didn't pick Justin Fields, I love his talent and he is absolutely a very mobile quarterback, strong arm, very accurate, nice guy, uh, works hard. But I think it's Andy Dalton's team. It's for his, for him to lose. Matt Nagy has said that. They've done nothing but show that in the preseason with the way that they've been delving out the positional snaps and everything. I love Justin Fields. I don't see him getting in unless there's some kind of injury or if Dalton just explodes and, and just shits the bed. You know, if he if he comes out and he doesn't look good at all, then there will be a big groundswell. The fans love Justin Fields. But even in the interview that I saw the other day, he was like, this is Andy's team. I'm going to learn as much as I can from him. And when it's my time, it's my time. The fans ought to support whatever quarterback is on the field. And I like that from him. That's leadership from a very young. He's got a good head on his shoulders. I hope he does get to play selfishly because I think he's exciting. But again, from week one, Wilson has the role. I don't think Fields has that role. 
Yeah, it was interesting to see in San Francisco and in Chicago the the crowd reaction to their new fun toy quarterbacks that you know, it seems like they 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 can't do much wrong and man, the incumbents have to do a heck of a lot right, you know, the veterans to uh to not get booed basically. Um it, it's amazing the the shiny toy and you know, we want the exciting young guy. Um it, even though, you know, we're probably not going to see them. They're going to be on the shelf to start the year. Um, all right, next one and running backs, you know, that there, there's so many backfields that, man, if you had the crystal ball, uh, boy, would there be right answers to be had in terms of what their value is today? Uh, because usually running back to and beyond relatively affordable. Um, what's that one NFL backfield you would love clarity? Now that could be Hey, they just tell you right now what's going to happen. Hey, early part of the year, here's who you're going to want. But later on, here's the impact guy for your fantasy playoff stretch run. Or it could be, hey, if one guy has this role on lock for a big chunk of the season, this is going to be really impactful from the fantasy front. So it could be something that's projected as a committee or murky, or maybe you just have a rooting interest of of someone that's not running back one for, for week one that man, this would be the way to go uh, for this season. So who's that? what's that backfield that you would just love to have that crystal ball? There's so many to choose from, but the one that I decided on is uh, the Rams. And with Cam Akers out, and now Henderson is banged up a little bit, I don't know that Xavier Jones or Jake Funk are the answer. And I know there's going to be a lot of guys cut this week and then also when they cut down to 53. And... I am not sure, you know, the possibility, I think somebody mentioned that perhaps because the Patriots have a wealth of riches in the backfield that one of them may get traded to a running back needy team. And I can't see a more running back needy team than the Rams. And I would love to have clarity on that situation. Like, who do I really think could be that trade target or could be the guy that they pick up from another team that gets cut? Yeah, and, and we don't even truly have high confidence and clarity on Xavier Jones versus uh, versus Jake Funk. They've kind of gone back and forth. And Daryl Henderson, a, a question mark, because it hasn't really been a smooth run so far. It feels like a graphic opportunity for him to reclamate his career and, and really get on a big path. A big season from him would be a shot in the arm. And frankly, there's not a ton of believers. Not a people are not a lot are out there trading first round picks for Daryl Henderson. But this offense is exciting. And this is an offense that could be one of the better ones in the league where you say, I got the starting quarter, uh, the starting running back, and they were affordable. I mean, all these guys at their requisite, you know, running back to one, two, three of a depth chart, they're all pretty affordable and cheap. And like you said, I mean, even having the answer on, do they add someone notable between now and week one would be a step in the right direction for, for that clarity. Um, I'm going to say the 49ers. Um, they are always one where you say a Kyle Shanahan offense, they pretty much run a two back system. But when you get that right answer, even for a stretch of the season, there's big results to be had. Um, I, I'm rooting for Trey Sermon, but man, Raheem Mostert, he ran, rolled snake eyes last year. He wasn't, he wasn't durable, you know, at that right time. And a lot of times availability is all you need in, in a 49er uh, run game here. And they've got a number of, you know, Wayne Gallman's good enough. We've seen that. Elijah Mitchell really hasn't got off the mat. He had a lot of good reports and he hasn't been healthy of late. We have not seen him. Jermichael Hasty. Guy can play. And and you mentioned the Patriots of 
does everyone make this team? Jeff Wilson, maybe his injury and being on the, the pup list is going to save somebody, at least for now. And they had a laundry list of injuries last year. So if that occurs, who's the hot guy? Who's the healthy guy? But man, if it's a half season of one guy really being the 1A, I mean, we're talking top 10, top 12 in fantasy, and that's not a stretch pretty much at all from what we've seen. And Trey Sermon, don't be surprised if if he gets one of these stretches or he does a Cam Akers, but maybe for longer at the end of the season of he's he's the man and he's getting 15 plus touches. It's electric. I mean, they any one of these guys can change either the beginning part of your season or the end. And that's what you look for. And that's why we always talk so much of having those injury away running backs, trying to put a a peg on which guy could carry the load for a six week, eight week, whatever span and be fantasy relevant, putting up RB one RB two type numbers and winning you weeks, winning you potential championships. Yeah. Predictable weeks, you know, when we can get them, that is awesome. But for the 49ers, we saw two guys pretty much being lineup plays throughout because they run the ball so much. And if we ever see Trey Lance, that's going to be fun. You know, just having a new toy to open up the backside of those running lanes. Gaping would be, would be the phrase that pays gaping holes in that running game and they're going to exploit it. Uh, So we'll see how that transpires. All right. So a bunch of, uh, of dynasty folks, uh, myself included in a bunch of leagues. It's from now till week one, it could be roster cut down time. Maybe it's a couple spots. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's 10. Maybe there's hardly any limit on roster size uh, in the offseason or post-rookie draft until later August or early September. Um, we can limit it to one if you got more than one that connect. What are What is a, a key tip uh, for you in terms of roster cutdowns for dynasty teams this time of year? Well, at this point in the season, it's a little too late to start offering the two-for-one, three-for-one type trades. Everybody's on to it. Everybody knows this is our cut-down week or next week is our cut-down week. So you can't sneak up on somebody with that type of trade. But my number one for this time of season is shop before you drop. Whether you shop for waiver wire bucks or a future pick, you're opening up the roster spot and you don't know... I mean, especially if a team has easy cuts, they may want that stash player that you just can't keep. And there is a value rather than them spending waiver wire bucks next week to pick them up, give them the opportunity to spend waiver wire bucks right now or a future second or third or probably more realistic, a third or maybe an um, upgrade uh, from third to second for next year or something like that. Just shop before you drop and shop all the owners. That's a great point. I, I don't see enough trades that are picks for waiver dollars. This time of year, I think in season, it's a little less uh, viable. But if you're running out, and again, like you said, instead of dropping somebody, I think a lot more people would give 1%, 5%, 10% even waiver dollars because a lot of people view that as monopoly money. That just, oh, it kind of counts. But let's be fair. Plenty of people don't use it. Like you get to the end of the year and who knows, maybe they did submit some bids, but a lot of people forget to be fair. I mean, you might see half the league actually pick someone up in the waiver process in a given week. It's not super active from what I've seen. So if they're just going to, you know, lose it, you know, use it or lose it, then like you said, I mean, I've seen a lot more deals, myself included of, all right, you try for a third, you try for a fourth, you try for an upgrade of picks, you try for everything like that. But if it doesn't work, 
get get something you know because you never know that might be the tiebreaker you need especially if it's super flex or too tight end or something there may be a glaring pickup that you want to spend a lot and you making this trade right now that might be the tiebreaker of i can spend one dollar more than you and i can get it if i save up and i'm proactive about it and there's a quarterback all of a sudden oh they could be the start of the rest of the year you can spend the budget plus $1 and you still might have money left over. And that's the pickup of the year that becomes a, a guy that you can put in your lineup or at least have that option for, for a solid chunk. Yeah. I love that one. And I just don't see it enough. There, there's a few dynasty toolbox things. And I think the conditional trading that, that is really not common, but trading for waiver dollars is something that to explore. And like you said, uh, uh, it, it really is something that this time of year that comes into play. The one thing I will say is a lot of times, if you can't trade from the bottom of your roster, the last one, two, three players, try shopping from more the middle. You know, like if it's a 25 man roster, instead of shopping, and we see this, you know, they put them on the, on the, the, the trade block of, oh, you know, let me put the bottom players that I'm going to cut on, on the trade, trade bait. Yeah, I mean, that's tried and true and it doesn't really work. Um, but if you try to shop player 18 or 20 instead of 25 or 17, I mean, you have a much better shot because that is upgrading somebody's roster spot. So trading them for a third round pick and for you, that might be similar to the last players on your roster. So assess to see if you can maybe trade closer to the middle, clear it, and then you get to keep those guys on the end that you may not want to cut and then you're just squeezed for spots this time of year. Yeah, that's another good one. I like that. Um, all right. So along the lines of quarterback and you know who's going to surprise, what's the surprise NFL team? And frankly, for fantasy production, this could be a team that has been good in the past. This could be the down year. We see it every year. There's there's surprise teams in a bad way. Or it could be the uptick. The global... there's. Dynasty, where's the love? They're Rodney Dangerfield. They're getting no respect. But even if it's coming from 30 to 16 or 20 to 10, those are big jumps on the macro for what a fantasy output on those fantasy on those skill positions can be. Uh, what's that? Do you have do you have one global NFL offense that you're pretty excited about an uptick or downturn? I do, and this is not the Homer in me saying this, but the New England Patriots, and the way that I judge it is their defense is much improved and their defense has always been right along in the top. They lost Tom Brady. Everybody overlooked them last year and they should have been overlooked last year. This is Cam's second season. He's starting to really click. They got the two new tight ends at Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. They're both banged up right now a little bit, but every single player on the team is undervalued in dynasty and in redraft. And so I think there's a lot of room the way that they were looking the other day, and I know it was preseason, but that defense is going to set the offense up in a good situations, shorter fields, easier drives, whether it's the, the kicker or whether it's, you know, touchdowns for the tight ends. Jacoby Myers, uh, both quarterbacks are looking good. Cam Newton and Mac Jones are both looking good. They're both commanding the offense. And again, fantasy-wise, I think they're going to put up more. Everybody just overlooks them. They're the Rodney Dangerfield, and they get no respect, which is fine, but I think they'll surprise. 
Yeah, they were a fringe playoff team or, you know, at least pushing and they, they were viable down the stretch there. And let's face it, they had a bunch of opt outs. They didn't have a ton of skill position talent, especially in the passing game. They were rubbing sticks together, but their defense got them through. Let's run the ball. Let's take the air out. Let's shorten the game and let's play smart as they always have. You know, let's win the turnover battle and, you know, let's finish. Let's let's not turn the ball over ourselves. And I kind of wonder, I'm kind of looking at this. I mean, they don't have a player really on the upper band of any of the skill positions. And so if you're talking about a team that makes the playoffs this year or is drastically improved, if it funnels to to one of these guys, like if Damian Harris is the, like it funnels his direction more than, you know, running back thirties, which is, I, I, you know, I think the sweet spot for, for his market value right now, or no one really has Hunter Henry or John New Smith in the top 10 tight ends. For example, if this actually consolidates a little bit in run game or pass game, like you said, I mean, there's value all the way around, uh, whether, you know, that perfect storm of a feature back or, uh, you know, like you said, this past game has to be better because it, it was dreadful to watch last year for many stretches. And yet they won games and they were competitive. Uh, I'm right with you with the Patriots. I mean, they seem like a pretty easy choice because they, they have the infrastructure and they added a number of players their own, plus a, a number of free agents, which is not super common for them. And Matt Patricia's back on the defense, so that really helps. You know, he he spent some time as head coach, took his knocks, realized that, hey, defensive coordinator is a much better role for me. Let's go back to Uncle Bill and uh, kiss and make up. And, and so between the players that they added, again, I think they're going to get more turnovers. Their, their running game is going to be top-notch. For any length of time, if you can peg which running back is the hot hand, Again, they can win you weeks as long as they're predictable starters, which I think you can get clarity for any length of time. I think that uh, fantasy wise, they'll surprise. Uh, just a couple things since we are talking Patriots that are you a little surprised Sony Michelle didn't get moved or anything? Uh, and the other part would be Ramondre Stevenson, nice couple games in the preseason, but he was running pretty late in the game. And right now you project him behind Harris and Michelle for, for carries at this point. Uh, any thoughts on, on those two guys specifically? Because they seem to be moving in opposite directions in terms of dynasty appeal. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sony Michelle were the running back to get traded if a trade is to occur to one of those running back needy teams. He could be a starter for the Rams easily. He could be a starter for Atlanta or, you know, anybody else that may end up uh, even, well, not, not Jacksonville. Jacksonville has such a crappy offensive line and they still have James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. So they're not super needy at this point. But anyway, I, I do think that there will be a, a change coming soon. And if not, I like what I saw out of Ramon Drake Stevenson. I don't think he's going to come out the gate, but I think towards the second half of the season, he's that big body back like the LeGarrette Blunt that can just pound and pound and score touchdowns and work his way. He's got decent hands. Also, um, James White is still there. So if you, sorry, if you drafted Ramondre Stevenson in like the late second or third round of your rookie draft, do you think he's the type of player that 
you know, if you can get, if you can go second to first with him because he's hot, if you can get, um, you know, maybe a veteran wide receiver, if you're light there, or is he the type that you want to see this play out this year, next year, and you want to hold him and cultivate him because of the profile he has? It depends on how hot he gets and, and what that value starts to go. If you can pull a 23 first, shoot, I'd take that in a heartbeat because you're upgrading the pedigree at that point. And that class is loaded with running backs from tip to toe. And we haven't even seen everything that class has to give yet. But I wouldn't do it for a 22 first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with the, uh, I already mentioned the jets. I think they're, you know, they would be in my top two or three teams in terms of surprising for fantasy production. I'm going to go with Washington because I think they've also added, we haven't seen Curtis Samuel as part of this offense. Terry McLaurin, you know, is going to have his moments, uh, but Diami Brown showing that he's probably going to contribute this year may not be 50 catches or anything like that, but he's going to offer something. They, they obviously like Logan Thomas. They're good in the backfield and, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is really a wild card here because at his best, we saw with Miami, he's a facilitator of fantasy points. And in in, uh, in Tampa Bay as well, I mean, putting up 30 a week when he has good weapons. He's got good weapons, in my opinion, again. So I think there's a lot of undervalued pieces here. I think the perfect storm of Antonio Gibson, the perfect storm of Terry McLaurin um, is, is pretty darn good. And so, and I think actually the fixture element here is Ryan Fitzpatrick and Superflex. For those that got him on the cheap last year, especially when he fell out of favor, you knew Tua was going to get his opportunity at some point and they moved on from Fitzpatrick. But thinking that he's going to find more opportunities and boy, did he find one this offseason because he could be a this year play and maybe even a Washington next year play. He's the type of guy you just, you don't count him out. He's that cockroach that you try to tamp him down. He's going to keep finding starts in the NFL and he could be lining up for, for 17 of them this year. Yeah, I like that call. I'm very excited to see Curtis Samuel and what they do with him this year. I think he could have a pretty impactful role, to be honest. Yeah, and again, they're another team like the Patriots. Good defense, and man, if they get good enough offense, they absolutely could go 10, 11 wins uh, in, 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 in good scenarios here. All right, and now uh, to Dynasty Lens, you know, a buy-sell player recommendation. So this is based on the current market. This could be based on team dynamics, but from now forward, and we've seen it for a, a few weeks and basically since Cam Akers, things are changing daily. It's hard to get a grapple, you know, a, a handle on the marketplace because it depends on your league and it depends on the day. And frankly, the, the wind and the weather on this other team that you're dealing with in your own league. But what is a buy or sell recommendation based on it could be a player that's changed recently or it could be something that's maintained player value wise all throughout the offseason? All right, well, this is a buy, and I've been touting him all offseason. I've been buying him wherever I can, but now with Travis Etienne gone for the season, LaVishka Chanel. And before people can make that correction, because everybody's already speculating that with Etienne out, James Robinson will be the main primary back with mixed in with some Carlos Hyde, but those swing passes in those gadgety plays. He's really starting to develop as a wide receiver. His route running, he looked good. He, his hands are strong. He's a strong guy. But I really think right now, and here's 
what I would buy him for. And you can tell me whether I'm high or, or not, but I think you could get him uh, for a late first, anything from eight to 12, eight on, I would be willing to pay a 22 first. Or if I had a guy like a rookie, like Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith, I would try to go like Waddle for Lavishka and a 23 second. I think that's a decent value and you get a, a poker chip or a player like Lavishka and J- Johnu Smith, who's that sneaky undervalued type guy. So that combination for Waddle, who has looked good in preseason and everybody really thinks he's going to be wide receiver one, sky's the limit. Devonta Smith is a little bit more expensive. So I would want uh, Lavishka Chenault and like a 23 first for uh Devonta Smith. You may or may not get it. You may have to throw a little something in on the Smith side, but those are just some examples of what I would pay for Chenault right now. Yeah, no, I think you're right in the the ballpark there. That late first equivalency, you know, and how you build the trade um, would would vary based on on what you have and what you're willing to give. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's going to get, and we've seen from Debo Samuel types or others that. Those added touches, whether it's rushing attempts, whether it is short passing attempts that are designed, that really does add up over the course of four months. So it, it can really boost you 5, 10, 15 spots in the rankings um, of the position that, that when you just get those added, if he gets a couple rushing touchdowns or you know, it, even if it ends up just being 10, 15 rushing yards per game, he busts one every once in a while, but it's a designed portion of the offense. And I think they had plans for Travis Etienne to do some of that heavy lifting that now is going to go towards Chenault. And frankly, with their offensive line, they're going to need easier ways to get the pressure off of Trevor. For Lawrence, get the ball out of his hands. And, you know, with DJ Chark and and Marvin Jones, it'd be great to have a vertical passing game and to really push the ball. However, not sure the offensive line is going to allow that. And, and to be able to move that ball, to be able to dump the ball down could benefit running backs. But yeah, Chenault, I'm, I'm right with you. We had a pretty extensive conversation because uh, I had some startup and we were talking about him sort of in that middle zone, you know, already good at wide receiver, but but drafting Chenault as one of those, hey, let's try to get lightning in a bottle here, you know, and, and a true upside shot of someone that can zoom up because of a strong and, and basically a breakout season here in year two, because he showed quite a bit of promise in year one, like you said, underrated wide receiver skills, in addition to just being a guy that's 220 plus and moves well for his size, a handful in space. Good luck tackling that guy as a DB. All right, my guy um, is going to be, and I already made one trade uh, regarding him. I didn't have a ton of shares, but I still have a few. Marcus Callaway. I mean, talk about a golden opportunity for him. I'm not going to predict doom or anything like that. What I'm going to say is you have an undrafted player and you have this opportunity infused opportunity to sell that. And again, he may be all, all I'm saying is historically wise, no one like him has ever at this, you know, at this point, this early point of their career been top 25 or top 30 with, with a similar profile. You could say this is the exception, I know he had a big game. I thought it was interesting, though, that I got cold call offers to to buy him from me that I executed. And yet when I sent offers around in other leagues, people were saying, oh, it's a preseason. You know that, right? Yes. But I also know it's forefront in people's minds and that some people 
do view it as harbingers of things to come and do, do view it as predictive. Just because you don't or you may be skeptical doesn't mean everybody does. That's the last thing that just happened. Monday night, and you had the Saints offense, Jameis Winston, connecting with Marcus Callaway a couple times on deep balls, and he was the toast of the night. He was the talk of those little snippets, those 10-second snippets on Twitter. So that's it. So this is I'm not you may have another opportunity in September. If he has a good early game, he absolutely could be the wide receiver one on that team, whatever that means, until Michael Thomas is back. So I'm not he's not I'm not gonna say you have to run out and sell. You may have a nice window in September or early in the season in general, but if you can work your way to get into round one with a with the future, it may not be straight up. It may be giving something else, maybe another flip player. Maybe it's a handcuff for one of their running backs that you have a bunch of them. It could be any of those things. But I think this is an opportunity to see what you can extract because historically speaking, if he comes all the way home and actually posts like a top 25, top 30 season for the year, that's so unlikely that it may look like the perfect storm, but he had the perfect storm game and it was the preseason. And who knows when the lights are on and full-on defenses every single week are looking at that depth chart and saying, who's the safety coverage going to roll on? There's nobody else. Just, just be prepared for an awakening when the season starts, and it may not be like Monday night. Yeah, I like that call. Uh, there are quite a few people out there chattering about it on Twitter. And there, if you have the, the right storm in your league where you've got two or three owners that are looking to buy him. Fantastic. And if not be patient. And like you said, there may be another window when he looks good, but Jameis Winston solidified himself as the quarterback for the saints. He has a strong arm. You live with the interceptions. I don't think he's going to be 30 for 30. Like he has been in the past, but that's a great team. And he, Marquez Callaway, looked the part. One-handed catch, defender right in his pocket. Uh, you know, he's got that long and uh, the, the uh, lean body. And so, perfect time to sell. Not every league's going to have a buyer, but if you find one, it's a good time. What I like about sending offers around the league is you at least get everybody thinking about those players the players that maybe they're looking to sell that you included in their offer, or it's now you get everyone to weigh in, maybe a few leave comments, you know, like, ah, I wouldn't give a first, but Hey, I'll give a second and you know, a player or like, you'll at least get data points and you're getting everyone to think about Marcus Callaway. What do I think about him? Oh, you know, I didn't, you know, not everybody goes around scouring and sending 50 offers a week around their leagues. And a lot of their action is just someone sending them an offer and they counter or decline it coming back. So at least sending it out there gets them thinking about Marquez Callaway in this specific league, and they may be interested. All right. We got a few rapid fire trades here to close out. So what side do you like? Uh, is there any extenuating circumstances of team dynamics and uh, you know, in terms of process strategy here that uh, you would include as well? Superflex, we got uh, trading a second for Ben Roethlisberger. Is it early to address if you've got if you're light at quarterback? Is this a good dynasty trade? Is this one that you know if you end up not competing in two months from now that you end up saying ah why did I trade that second? 
this next class isn't as deep. So I would trade a second for Ben Roethlisberger, especially if you're a contender or you just need that extra arm. You have to look at it from the lens that what if Ben Roethlisberger is done after this year? Are you going to be okay trading that future second? And if you're okay with that, then do it. Yeah, he's one of the affordable guys. I actually think he's a sneaky bet to finish top 12, 15, 17. He, he finishes top 20 basically his whole career. He's got big weapons. And so you had Najee Harris, maybe a more respectable run game, another element in the passing game. Pat Fryermuth maybe catching a few red zone touchdowns. So I wouldn't be surprised. He, he is the absolute type that he was like QB 13, you know, last year. People are underrating him. So, so I like to go cheap and man, a second for a guy of his profile. If he plays next year, it's gravy. Gravy time on that pick for sure. Um, All right. We've got uh, Michael Carter. He's losing a little bit of steam, but again, a lot of people still drafted him late first, early second. This is in Superflex as well. They all are. We got Carter in a second for Deontay Johnson. Uh, I'd take Deontay Johnson's side. Okay. By pretty easily. Um, I, I don't value Michael Carter that much. And as I mentioned already, if it's a 22 second, there will be some decent players to pick from, but no snap except type guys. And Deontay Johnson could legit be the number one wide receiver for the team. And, you know, some think it's Juju, some think it's Claypool, which is why you're getting the discount. And I would take that discount all day. Yep, like that. It's a pretty nice uh, target floor, and there's a reasonable ceiling there of 140, 150 plus, you know, in a, in a perfect storm where the Steelers are, are cruising along. We got Clyde Edwards Alaire for Josh Jacobs, Alexander Madison, and a second. I want the Josh Jacobs side. And again, I like, I like Madison, I like Jacobs. I, I'm not that crazy about Alaire. He's already banged up. Not that in Dynasty, though matters but some people would would think so but Clyde Edwards Lair and Josh Jacobs if you consider them fairly equal and then on top of that you're getting Madison in a pick to me I'd rather have the depth yeah, I'm surprised at the second, you know, I mean, I can, I can see if you want to add Madison, hey, I really want to swap. I know I, uh, Jacobs has a depressed market right now, but we just saw that second could be someone in season that really helps you. I mean, you could buy a Roethlisberger type or another older quarterback. Heck, you may get to a team in October that's out of it. A second might get you Tom Brady. It might get you yeah. a legit top eight guy at a position of, of premium where he might play another two, three years. Like it's just those seconds, if you trade them to rebuilding teams that fall out of it in the middle of the year. So that is not something to sneeze at. Even if you said, you know, a little weaker class, not ideal there, but having that in your back pocket to even if you go all the way, you end up trading out of that pick or something. But the liquidity between now and then, especially if you're a contender, to add something if you need it between now and then. All right, we got uh, Daryl Henderson for Amari Rogers and Kadarius Tony. I'd take the, the wide receivers. I'm not a big Daryl Henderson. I don't think he's already banged up. I don't think he can tote the load at all. I think they're going to bring somebody in. I don't think they can afford not to. And Kadarius Tony, all he needs is a little bit of buzz. He was late first, early second in rookie drafts. And then on top of that, Amari Rodgers can build a little bit of buzz. Rodgers to Rodgers sounds so good, doesn't it? 
And, you know, he's an athletic dude. He's, he's, uh, so yeah, give me the two wide receivers over that running back. Okay. I'll, I'll take the other side. Uh, my pitch would be Henderson has the greatest chance to make an impact this year. I think wide receivers, you got to be super careful about taking on too many. Um, and I, you know, Amari Rogers, he's probably going to be without uh, Aaron Rodgers next year. Kadarius Tony, is his quarterback situation going to be stable? Is he going to get enough targets? Is he going to be more NFL value than fantasy value? Um, I wish it was a different, if it was a different wide receiver than Kadarius Tony. I think I'm fine with in that same value range. Like if you made that Rondell Moore, I'm okay with it. If it's someone in that same ilk of, of rookie draft hierarchy. All right. We got one more here. Trading Baker may feel away. So what if you're pretty good at quarterback and is this enough value? And we might get Katie's uh, uh, preferred draft class here with a, with a pick. We've got Baker Mayfield for Trey Sermon and a 23 first. <laughs> Uh, that's easily the Trey Sermon and the 23 first side. They, they've not only got a couple of really good, strong quarterbacks in that class, but as I mentioned before, they're running back heavy. And the two things that make for a great class are the quarterbacks and the running backs as far as rookie drafts go. So it's got everything that you want. And plus on top of that, it still has some very good wide receivers. That will be a deep, the first round pick will even straight through the twelve it'll seem like, wow, I can't believe I'm getting such a good player at, at 12th overall. Yeah, I think there's a good chance you're getting two years here of Trey Sermon, then that pick comes due. And I think there's a decent... If Sermon runs with the job for part of this year, let's say, and then if he's the projected week one starter next year, aren't a lot of people going to view him and Baker Mayfield, even if he kind of repeats or even builds a little bit on what he did last year, Aren't a lot of people going to see both of those guys relatively even in the Superflex Dynasty space? That that first is going to be it's going to seem like gravy. It's going to seem like a cherry on the top when you get there. So even if you end up, hey, sermons in a committee is not quite what we thought. I just love the fact that you have that first waiting out there to flip the trade. Even if you're losing it right now, let's say Mayfield blows up, you know, at some point puts up his best season yet. Sermon's miring in some committee, maybe gets dinged up. You still have that first, like you said, that could end up being a quarterback or running back that still has you winning the deal a couple of years from now um, in the macro. Exactly. All right. Uh, final final uh, points, uh, final tips of the week, Katie. What do you got? Well, I'm not going to give any final tips, but I am going to give a shout out. This yes. past uh, weekend, Saturday night, I got to meet a couple of locals so a big shout out to Kyle and Joe. We had so much fun at my favorite local restaurant bar, watching the Cowboys game together, talking fantasy football together. And uh, they bought the Diva of Debbie some Crown Royal. So that's always a plus. And I just really enjoyed the conversation. Two great guys. So Excellent. I love it. And we got, uh, we got college football starting v very soon. Do you have any... Would you have any projected plans or already you're kind of eyeing something in the local greater Texas area of might be a high school game this season, a certain, a, a certain school, or it may be a select uh, opportunity college football wise. I know you had, you've had others come up relatively last minute in, in previous years. Do you have anything that's sort of on your horizon as possible in 21? 
I looked at ticket costs for the Arkansas-Texas game, which is going to be in Fayetteville, and they're already crazy prices. And then I looked at the uh, Arkansas against Texas A&M at Jerry's World in, uh, September 25th, and that's also the prices are outrageous already. So I'm probably going to watch those on television. Oklahoma's a really close travel distance, about a two-and-a-half-hour drive for me. Uh, Austin is only a two and a half hour drive for me. So something may pop up at the last minute. I'm extremely disappointed high school wise. South Lake Carroll is 30 minutes from my house. And I was really looking forward to watching Quinn Ewers quarterback of South Lake Carroll in his senior season, but he opted out and went to Ohio state already because the NIL and now that robbed me of my chance to see. I, I usually don't go to high school games, but I was planning on going to as many of those as I could. Now, yes, there's still a lot of talent around here. We've got some big high schools. This is Texas, but that was the one that I had my heart set on. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look to, there's usually a couple of the rivalry games in high school. I'll try to check those out. We'll see where they are in the slate, maybe about 20 minutes away. Um, and that's where, you know, fell in love. We talked a little bit, actually drafted him in a spot or two. Raheem Sanders last year going to Arkansas. And it really started for me watching him in a couple of high school games and saying, there's something here. And all of a sudden he gets a, you know, a letter and a, a declaration going over to, uh, to Arkansas. And we'll see where it goes from here. Actually, one last question. Uh, Felipe Franks, can you give us a little backstory on Felipe Franks from uh, his Arkansas time as we saw him in the preseason this, and, and we'll see if he's the primary backup or just in the mix for Atlanta behind Matt Ryan. Yeah, I think he's just going to be a backup. He's never going to be a starter. I don't think uh, from what I've seen, he's got decent size. He, he did okay. I mean, he wasn't horrible. We were a much improved team, but he's nobody that I'd put any waiver wire dollars on. He's, I'd, there's so many more guys I'd rather have than Felipe Franks. As a, as a backup, even in Superflex. Yeah, he, he's mobile and he's got a big arm, but man, it's erratic. That was the main yeah. thing. I was like, he's never going to be able to hang as an actual passer. He's fun to run yeah. around a little bit, but we know how that goes. Um, you know, if you actually start getting the live fire in a, in a meaningful regular season game. Just wanted to ask you there. We are on a yeah. topic of uh, topic of Razorbacks to close out. And uh, do want to remind folks, uh, we go through all the way talking Dynasty here. Uh, you can support the show and get other co- exclusive content by becoming a YouTube patron over at patreon.com slash UTH. Got Tim Torch recording a weekly show on the waiver wire and have a bunch of other uh, bonus content, a VIP chat that you can check out at your leisure. Katie Flower is on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. You can also catch her around if you follow her on Twitter. Some of her other guest appearances, whether it's Debbie content or just other Dynasty shows, does a great job uh, continuing that dialogue and conversation with plenty of others in the industry. I am at Chad Parsons NFL of UTHDynasty.com. And until next time, never settle. Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties. Those dynasties.